In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. While we often think of these two spaces as being separate from one another, that was not always the case. The Bible tells us that God planted a garden, and in this garden, heaven and earth were not separate spaces, but they were one in the same. This garden was a place of beauty, goodness, innocence, and abundance. It was a place where God and humankind lived together. God shared his garden with the people he created. But it wasn't a space where we sat around and did nothing. We were given a job to do. Our job was to care for the garden, to nurture and cultivate it, and most importantly, to expand it. You see, the Bible makes it clear that when God created everything and planted the garden, he didn't think of his creation as the final and complete product, but instead, it was the start of a project, a project that involves us. God's project was to make a home with his creation. While this home started in the garden, the plan was that God and humans would work together to make the whole earth their home, the whole world filled with beauty, goodness, innocence, and abundance. The problem is we haven't been the best partners in God's project. Rather than participate with him in spreading the garden, humans have done a lot to destroy the beauty, goodness, innocence, and abundance in the world. What is so shocking about all this is despite often failing to partner with God in this project, he has not stopped wanting to partner with us. God is still working on the project that he set out to do at the beginning, and he still invites us to partner with him in it. He invites us to work with him to overcome brokenness with beauty, to overcome evil with goodness, to overcome corruption with justice, and to overcome scarcity with abundance. The Bible ends with a promise that one day God's project will be complete, that he will make his home here with his creation forever, that the whole earth would be filled with beauty, goodness, innocence, and abundance. This podcast tells the stories of people who are taking part in God's project, people who are using their talents, passions, and profession to work towards this promise. This is The Garden Project. Welcome to the second episode of the Garden Project podcast. I'm here today with Natasha Shorts. Natasha is a writer, a poet. Uh, she has her own podcast called Noted by Natasha, uh, and she works uh, through a college ministry with, with athletes at the University of Tennessee, a ministry called Athletes in Action, which is, a, is such an important uh, ministry in my life. It's how I met my wife. It's how we met you. So... Um, Man, God's doing so many cool things in your life, and super excited to hear about that, uh, Natasha. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, no problem. I appreciate being here. Natasha, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work at UT and what brought you to working with college athletes? Yeah, so I was actually a college athlete. I went to a small D3 school in Ohio called Otterbein University. Go Cards! Um, and from there, I got involved with Athletes in Action as a student. It was a big lifesaver for me. I wanted to be in Christian community, but the reality was, even as a D3 athlete, like you don't have the time. 
And so when um, AIA came on our campus, they made sure that we had like Bible studies that would fit our schedule. They put things later so we can meet and it just changed the way that I lived, the way that I walked, the way that I played. It was just a difference. And so um, being able to do that after school, um, it kind of came through like a heartbreak of like I was thinking I was going to be able to be um, going with my boyfriend at the time of like traveling around the world and stuff because he was going to do um, play overseas at the time. And then that ended. And so it was one of those things of like, OK, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just help me in my heartbreak. Um, and it just was very clear that Athletes in Action was it. And so I've been doing that for the past six years, uh, four years at um, Ohio State University, the Ohio State University, excuse me. Um, then I did one year in South Africa, um, Cape Town, South Africa. So shout out to my SA friends. And then I felt called to come here to Knoxville, Tennessee and join the, it's called the 110 team. And so AIA and FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, we just work as one body, um, working to help uh, more athletes just know Jesus. So, yeah. That's great. So, so what does, uh, what does your day-to-day look like with, with college athletes? Mm-hmm. So basically, it's at least my focus is helping athletes know their worth and value in Jesus. So a lot of people can see athletes as just like um, the big names and like sometimes the arrogancy or they're really good at this specific thing, but people don't realize how much um, pressure they have to handle and all that comes with that. And even just the reality of they have whole lives like that have nothing to do with their sport and they have to work through that. And so I love to be able to help them really be able to know that they are more than just an athlete. They're more than just the ball that they bounce or the pool they swim in, that they are actually made for so much more. Um, and And it can be seen through their sport, of course. But it's like, no, you are not just this tennis player, but you are made in the image of God and you're worthy and you're valuable, especially, oh my gosh, I have a big heart to reach um, black girls with that. Just because, well, not only in our community, you see a lot more with black guys, but um, just you can see it with with, um, young black women too of like finding their identity and everything else, but like who God made them. Um, But yeah, I struggled with that a lot growing up. And so being able to get involved with AIA and stuff and help me through that has just changed the game for me. But I want other athletes to know that too. And really just any black girl to know that they're worthy and valuable in Christ, even if no one else says they are. So this theme of worth seems uh, like it's, it's so important to you and the work you do. Um, I want to talk more about that. Uh, but first I want to hear, and I think it has plays a role in that. How does your writing and your poetry and the podcast noted mm-hmm. by Natasha, how does that play into all this work that you're doing? Yeah. So that's so fun. That's definitely like on the outside of it for sure. It's like kind of more of, uh, just more of me, if that makes sense. Um, but I've always loved to write. I've always loved to do poetry to like, I've started a million books and not finished them, you know, but um, there's just something special about being able to write books that you want to read. And so I know Maya Angela has a quote on it. I'm going to miss, I'm going to mess it up a little bit so y'all can Google it and find it. But basically she says something along the lines of like, if you find yourself not finding the books you want to read, then you need to write it. And that's how I feel. And so like, um, I want to read books that are written by a black woman that is for black, a young black women or older black women to help them know that their value and worth is not um, focused on like the relationship they're in or focused on the sport they play or focused on like even the children that they have. But it's an okay, who does God say that I am? And if he is this this being that we say is like more grand than anything and, and create all these things and yada, 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 if that's the case, then only what he says about me matters. And especially that's so huge for um, black women and even black single women of like um, really wanting to have that value outside of everything else because we are we have so much 
um, pain and hurt that comes towards us and so many lies that comes toward us. So yeah, being able to write poetry that relates to that. That's just me. Like, you know, like I have a poetry book that I'm hoping to publish soon, or I will be publishing soon. Let me, let me speak that. But, um, but it's, it's just like me walking through singleness, you know? So it's different, um, areas of like, there's, it starts off with like longing and loneliness, you know, like there's a realness to that, but then it gets to a part of like joy and hope. And the goal is that like, no matter where these single women are, and, and it is written for um, black women or women of color, but like anyone can read it and feel encouraged. But, um, but yeah, you can, anywhere you can flip to the book and be where you're at. So if, if you're joyful, you can sit there and read that look like, yes, I agree. Yes, ma'am. Or if you're struggling, you need some empathy in that way. You can read that too. Um, so yeah, like my poetry, especially this poetry book is all focused on that. And then the fiction book that I want to write, um, that I have been writing and I'm continuing to write. It's about that. It's, it's kind of my story, um, uh, mixed with a little bit of fiction and it's just like sharing about, okay, what is this journey? What has this journey been like to be a black woman, both in white and black spaces, um, and trying to learn, okay, who am I and how's God fitting off into that? Like, especially going to a white school and going th doing things like going natural, which if you guys don't know what that means, <laughs> it, it means like going from um, chemically straightening my hair with a, a relaxer or people call it a perm to like choosing to go with my actual natural texture, um, which is extremely curly or Afro. Um, and that was a big shift. And there was a lot of pushback, both from white and black community communities and stuff, but I felt so free and felt so much more like, oh my gosh, this is how God made me. This is how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so being able to like write that for other women, especially this is like a, in the black world, this is like natural hair time type of thing. It's like, hey, like you're not the only one going through this story, you're going through this struggle. And I see it on campus of like, it's a, it's a big conversation starter in my hair with the athletes. Cause like they're trying to do it. And I was talking to a young lady the other day and she was just real about how like, oh, we have the same texture hair. And she's like, I love how you're wearing it out. Like I had it in a fro that day, it was kind of curly. And she was like, I'm just not confident yet to do that. My boyfriend thinks it's so beautiful, but I don't know. And I feel that because mm -hmm. we've been taught so much through our own community, through, I'm going to be very real, through white supremacy, through all the things that like are who we are, who we naturally are, how our hair naturally grows. Everything about us is not worthy. It's not as good. It's, it needs to be changed. And so it's been years to cultivate and get to a beautiful, a place where I see that it's beautiful. And so I want other black girls to see that too. So I'm very intentional even on campus to do that but um but yeah so in my books and in my writings and when I do spoken word all that stuff it like it just flows out naturally from who I am and it's been empowering for other people which is dope I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story mm -hmm. and and uh and just how you you got to this place of where where maybe you were looking for your worth or or, or yeah. feeling like your worth was coming from all these different things yeah. and you got to a place where you were ju just said no more like yeah. I'm not going to find my worth in these things anymore I, yeah. I, I, my worth comes from something else would you tell us that story yeah so it's so funny I'm really just privileged to be able to tell this because for some reason the past couple of years all of a sudden this lie of like oh I sh shouldn't share it has been coming up and that's just foolishness because um, it's free every time we tell our stories to people so thanks for even asking but um, so I grew up in a Christian home which means like I had two-parent household that both um, we went to church on Sundays and stuff we were very church and sports and all that kind of stuff um, and it 
Mm-hmm. Like I said, at a young age, I followed Jesus. Like that was just um, on my heart. It made sense to me. It wasn't forced on me, um, but it just made sense to me at the time. And even though like I had a very healthy childhood, um, not the, I think there's like a stigma sometimes with like women or like, like, oh, the, the father must've been abusive or the mother must've did this. Like, no, nah, my parents were great and they still are. Um, but I just, I struggled with worth and value at a very young age. Like I wanted to be like my older sister who was beautiful and amazing. You know, she got to do everything first and I wanted to be like, um, my cousins, again, talking about just like the, the specifically being a black woman, um, my sister is a little bit lighter skinned than me. And so just the lie, the lighter, the brighter, the better. Like if you're closer to white, then you're more beautiful type of thing. And then my cousins, they're dark, darker skinned than me, obviously all still beautiful, but their hair grows very different than mine. And so it grows more like to the ground versus mine grows up and out. Um, and so you can't really tell my length. Uh, and so I just struggled with that. I, w- I didn't think I was as beautiful. I, th- I was jealous of them a lot. And I and even now makes me want to tear up of like, I could have had a lot more fun sometimes as a child if I wasn't struggling with that jealousy. Um, but I remember all of us, we watched the true Cinderella, the only Cinderella, <laughs> Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella with Brandy in it and Whitney Houston as the godmother. That is the only <laughs> godmother I recognize ever. Um, but like watching that movie, that it just made sense to me. of like, oh, I'm waiting for a prince. You know, I'm with like someone has to come and like save me type of thing from like my, I don't know, awfulness or whatever. And then at the time there wasn't all you know, like brave wasn't around. Like there was, that was just like the, the theme for princesses of like, there's always a saving happening. And so I found myself slowly just like thinking, okay, when I get married, that's going to be, you know, like what makes me worthy. Everyone's going to see that I'm worthy. And so I grew up with that mindset. And so I'm um, just at a really early age. And so it was hard to see. Um, my sister, my cousins and stuff like dating and everything and not having that for myself. Um, but either way, along the lines, I, I started like uh, trying to find my worth in little things because my dad was very much like drillless in sports. We were all these really good at sports um, pretty early on. And so it was easy to find my worth a little bit in that. of like, oh, I'm a shorts. Like we play sports. We all do. Um, and so I was able to find it here and there. But when it started to get into like high school and relationships and stuff, it was hard. Um, so my, in, in middle school, I had, um, we, we started going through the different religions and I was like, okay, let me just like hear these out and stuff. And then it was another affirmation of like, yeah, I'm Christianity. Like that's what, um, makes the most sense to me. Like that's what I'm going to stick with. But there was this, uh, this time in church where they talked about the importance of like, basically, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going a little churchy here, but like no. for those who don't know, um, who are who are new or around the Christian faith may not know, but like they, we talk about two different types of judgments judgments after um, when we get to heaven, and it's like one for those who don't know Jesus and one for those who do, and the one for those who do is like yes, we're saved, but like we're held accountable for how we live, and that threw me off. I was like, I'm sorry, what? I thought that I could just do whatever I want and <laughs> just like go from there, um, and it was didn't say that we weren't saved or anything like that, but it just shifted my mindset like, oh, I actually need to. Like, God actually cares how I live. Like, he wants me to live for him. And so that was a big turning point in my um, faith because going from middle school to high school, we also moved from the hood to the suburbs. And I was like, okay, I can be a different person. I can be, I'm going to be the church girl. And so with that, even though, like, it did help me get closer to the Lord, um, guys were not interested. They respected me so much, but they respected me from a distance because I'm like, yeah, I'm saving myself into a marriage. And like, that's great. And they moved on. Like <laughs> so, um, even though there was like a couple of guys here and there, I, I always seemed like they're not the best guys, but they were just high school boys, you know. Like it was just life. Um, and but it was just it was harder. Like I wasn't necessarily chosen or picked a lot, and that was really difficult because it played into my worth of like, okay, 
yeah, I'm I'm important in my sport and I'm important in school, but I'm not important enough for the, important enough for the guys to pay attention to me. And so, got into a relationship my senior year, and it was just one of those things of like, kind of talked to the wrong person. Like, I had a friend who randomly called, and she was just. Um, kind of encouraged me like, what you haven't you haven't kissed a guy before? You haven't dated before? You need to do that, you know. And so I'm like, it was never a thought for me of like I haven't done that, um, at least not that time. Um, and so right before senior year, I was like, okay. I remember telling my best friend, I need a boyfriend, and she's like, what? I'm like, actually, I need a prom date. Like <laughs> trying to like <laughs> like cover it all up and stuff. Um, but yeah, so she introduces me to this guy who like in her in her view is like, okay, yeah, he's he goes to church and she knows I go to church and things like that. And so um, basically we ended up connecting and it was it was really, it was fun and everything, but like we just had different um, values. Like, again, like save myself until marriage. Like I feel like scripture is pretty clear on that. And he knew what scripture said, but he didn't want to do it. Because <laughs> he's just like, I want to have fun, blah, blah, blah. And so I found myself like, even though ne- never like um, made that mistake, it was still that uh, pressure of like, okay, wait, I don't want to lose him. I don't, I don't want to lose him. And so I'm like, okay, at least I'm going to like, at least we're going to kiss or something, or we have to hang out. We have to do all these things because he's the first guy that ever saw I'm beautiful, which means that I'm worthy, which mm-hmm. means that I'm loved, mm-hmm. which means that there's no one else that can come around. You know, like it just kept being that. And so it did get to a point where like, just God helped me realize like, yo, this isn't really what you want. Like I remember I was sitting in church and I was just like, do I actually like him or... Do I just like like having a boyfriend type of thing? And then as um, I was thinking that, my pastor came up and gave me like some old books or whatever from his daughters. And one of the books was And the Bride Wore White, Seven Secrets of Sexual Purity. And it sounds super like churchy and bougie, but it's actually pretty good. And she was just honest with her story and how she struggled and stuff. And um, But there's a part in there where it talks about like, hey, if there's any like unhealthy relationships that cut them off. And that was a big deal for me. I'm like, yeah, this doesn't feel like it's drawing me closer to God. And so... Um, cut that off. And that was great for me. That was like, the rest of the senior year was fantastic. Had a good time. Felt free. Like, went to prom with someone else. Like, it was just a lot of fun. But I wanted, in my mind, because my parents met in college. Okay, I'm going to meet somebody in college. You know, the, I didn't even know the phrase at the time, but ring by spring. You know, like, I thought that was a thing. Uh, I just didn't have a phrase for it yet. But, um, so I kind of put Jesus on the back burner. And then uh, in the summer, I was just getting ready. And so I remember even in my journal notes, it's so embarrassing. I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I'm gonna meet him here and blah, blah, blah. And I ended up like the first week or so, really the first day that I, like soon after my parents left and they dropped me off, um, I got like logged into Twitter for the first time. And it was still relatively new at the time. And so, which is so funny to think about. But, um, and so I met a guy who was like one of my friends, one of my brother's friends, cousins, whatever. Um, and again, just settled, like settled, like, okay, well, he, he says he's, you know, Christian and, oh, he's paying attention and he fills in the blanks of like, okay, he's tall, he's this, he's that, but like, he didn't treat me all that great. And so like, as the more we got to know each other, um, the more um, I just ignored things. And so like the way that he would um, be really rude to me sometimes, the way that he would um, speak to me, like speak down to me, like I just kept ignoring it. Or even just, again, my boundaries of like, at the time I went kind of extreme because I was watching the Duggars. I don't know if you guys ever watched them, <laughs> but I definitely was watching them. And so I was like, oh, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do, like just not kiss because that's all I knew in the last one. And so like I kind of went the, the opposite extreme of like, okay, well, we just won't kiss. And instead of respecting that or even just talking that through, he was just always like, oh, you got to have fun. Like there was no type of real essence behind it or even scripture and stuff. It was like, just like, you just got to have fun, you know? So when he comes to visit and I choose not to kiss and stuff, like he starts being rude to me. 
um, to the point of like we're walking around like trying to connect with some other people and stuff and like at Alderbrine, they, we have for some reason we have very heavy doors. I don't know why, um, but we're leaving one of the places um, with the gym, and he kind of like slams the door like in my face and stuff. And if it wasn't for his brother that was there, it would hit me pretty hard because I'm like, you, I'm I'm assuming you're supposed to hold the door for me, right? And so, um, it, so we're like, I'm like, okay, that should have been a red flag of like just walk away, be done with them, but not at all. Then he gets to the we we walk a little bit. We're supposed to meet up with my friends, and and he turns to his uh, his brother, and you know how the people will talk about you in front of you type of thing. He was like, yeah, I don't know if it's gonna work out with this girl. And they're like, oh, for real? And so I finally got a little bit like strength for a second, and I was like, um, excuse me, like, are we gonna talk about this? And he's like, no, let's go hang out with your friends. And so we do, and um, he's great with them. He's funny. He's silly. He's all the kind of stuff, but he keeps being really rude and disrespectful to me. To the point that, like, um, he's like, finally, he's like, okay, let's go. And I just get up and leave with him. Like, who, what? Like, now I would never do that. I'm like, who are you speaking to? Mm -hmm. Like, but it was just like that, yeah, oh, wait, like, okay, oh, he likes me, or I'm supposed to, like, I don't know where I got that from. My parents don't do that, but it was just like that in me and stuff. And so, long story short, basically, like, compromising that area of, like, okay, well, my, my boundary of, like, not kissing just because I wanted a relationship so badly. Like I wanted to be loved and seen and valued. And um, either way, so like um, about a week later after he leaves and stuff like that, I haven't heard from him, like, and everything, we left on the good though. And so I'm just kind of confused. And I remember just praying, praying to God, like, okay, God, I think this is my husband. I think this is who you have for me. So I need you to break this off because I'm not going to. <laughs> and it was like one of the dumbest prayers you could pray. And I'm pretty sure I prayed that kind of, like twice in my life. Um, but like um, there was just something. Yeah, it was just like uh, he he reached out and stuff finally. And then um, it was kind of rude even in the way he reached out. It was like, yeah, it was dismissive and disrespectful and stuff. And he was just like, okay, I think we should stay friends. And I understood. I was like, okay, like that makes sense. But then he just started going in dog at me. He's like, yeah, you think you're perfect. You think this, you think that. Like I can get this many girls. And was like head to toe just taking me down. And again, in this part of my life, I wouldn't even gotten that far. But like I was just shocked. Like looking back, I can see all the red flags. But like at the moment, I couldn't understand it. So I was like, what? And I realized like I fell so far away from from wanting the Lord that I thought this guy was even worth my time. Mm -hmm. And so like ended that conversation, got on the phone with my mama, as a lot of people do in those moments, and she just prayed for me. But that just was just a shift. I was like, I am never allowing anyone to treat me like that again. But I've got to know what I'm worth. Like yeah. I forgot to mention this, but like I hated the way I looked. I didn't think I was beautiful unless my hair was straight or if it was in braids or something. Just my fro afro, I thought that was so ugly. I thought my eyes were too big. I thought there's so many parts of me that I hated that was only beautiful if I wore a certain thing or did a certain thing. Or, And so I got, I was tired of that. I'm like, I don't want to feel like that. That has, has led to this. And so um, for me, it meant um, not only getting in God's word and saying, okay, if you again, if you're the God of the universe, if you say you've created all this stuff and you created me, what do you say about me? And um, Psalms 139 was huge on that, of like, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, what? And then even, I'm very big on, on definitions of words, because we we'll be saying stuff all the time, we'll know what the crap we talk, we talk about, okay? And so just the idea of like, okay, fearfully means to be awed and respected. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, anyone who does not have see me in awe or respect me is not worth my time. And then wonderful is just that wonderful, amazing, like, and it's like, okay, before I can expect anyone else to see me that way, I need to see me that way. 
And so like, it was huge. Like I cannot explain it. I know this may sound weird to people who don't know Jesus, but like is it was a shift from, that was like freshman year, 10 years ago, freshman year, which is a whole thing of like, I'm 10 years out of my freshman year of college. But, um, but 10 years ago, like this time was around that time that stuff was happening. And I moved from like hating what I saw in the mirror to loving it. Mm by the next semester, all because like I got in God's word and I kept learning. And I was like going to some of the Christian stuff when I could, I was still an athlete, played volleyball, switched and did track. But like, yeah, just like hearing more and more like, okay, wait, this is how he sees me. And even like some of the lies I had picked up again of like, oh wait, he's not like super judgmental. Like, yes, he's judged, but he's also mercy. And he's also loving. Like that was huge. And so that that just changed everything for me of like, okay, he's he sees me as worthy. And I'm not going to lie and say that it hasn't been a struggle. Like when when life gets hard and stuff like that, that's where I get attacked the most, like with my own thoughts and stuff. But it's been a crazy shift um, from what I used to be. And so even just thinking about it now, it's like, oh, my gosh, no. Like like I just went on a date this past weekend. I wore my fro and I was just so excited about it. And I would have never done that 10 years ago. Of like, I need to do something to make it beautiful. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, like this is how God made me. Like, the fact that our hair defies gravity. Like, what the heck? That's dope. Like, it does not make any sense, but that's what it does. And I, I've heard it said before that, like, our hair naturally just praises God. Like, mm. how awesome is that? And so that, for me, is what makes me want to help other black girls be able to see, like, hey, you're worthy. You're loved. You're valuable. Like... And it plays into, I see it so much with our college students of like, they, they'll be walking with God, they feel not good all of a sudden, but you'll be able to see where their worth really is when they get into a relationship and what they allow. And it's like, not saying that there isn't um, growth in that or that sometimes we have to go through those hard things to realize it. But when we know, when we, when we are reminded of who we are, that we're actually made in the image of God, that we have value and dignity just sewn in us, like it changes how we operate and how we, what we allow other people to do and the boundaries that we set and, and how we see ourselves. It just changes everything. So, you know, as I listen to your story, um, I, I just think that so many people will resonate with this, uh, natural tendency to look for our worth in, uh, all these things that either are not, um, uh, not consistent, not mm -hmm. permanent, uh, you know, our appearance, mm -hmm. uh, relationships. I mean, I don't think there's anyone who, mm -hmm. who doesn't struggle with that, uh, yeah. on a pretty significant level. Would you mind sharing one of your poems, uh, yeah. that you've written on, on this topic? Yeah. So mm -hmm. the poetry book, um, like, as I mentioned earlier, it's like all different phases of my singleness. And it's, all, it's kind of like a cyclical thing, like it continues to happen and whatnot. But there's one called Realization um, that I wrote that I'm going to share. Marriage doesn't define me. It can't because I'm not, but it won't when I am. I am the words in the wind of life written by the most high author. I am the greatest that is reflecting the greatest, God the Father. I am all of a mess and all of his perfection washed over my soul. I am not someone because I am with or without someone else. I am the tides to his ocean. I am walking on the bridge of the cross to his home. I am not who I thought I would be, but so much more than I could have ever dreamed. I am in God's will, and that, my friend, is good. Thank you.
So Natasha, now you're working with uh, college athletes, um, specifically uh, women, um, and I'm sure that this topic of worthiness comes up all the time. Uh, how do you see God working through your story and your, uh, your gifts and talents, your, your profession as you work, mm-hmm. uh, in this ministry to help, help people find their mm-hmm. worth? I think it's, um, not always the ways that I thought it would be. So it's not necessarily always conversations about worth and value, but it's actually just being who God made me. So um, we had a, one of our camps was virtual, obviously, just because everything going on. And so um, it was myself as well as they made sure to have as many people of color as possible represented um, so that because we knew the population that would be watching, of course. But um, it was amazing to hear from like uh, an HBCU, I think it was, or even I'm not even sure. No, it wasn't an HBCU. It was um, a, a university that we had some athletes on um, that had AI staff there. And one of the staff who's white just asked, like, what's it like for you to see women of color, like, teaching the word and talking and, and all those things? And they said it was incredible. And they just went in talking about, like, how seeing us who've been through, who were just a little bit farther ahead of them, um, seeing us walk with Jesus and seeing us teach the word and seeing us, like, be unapologetically ourselves, like, from like from me, I'm growing up in the hood and suburbs. So I'm saying both like things like dope and oh my gosh, like to like um, other friends kind of doing similar stuff. Like we're we were each fully ourselves, um, and that was encouraging to them. Even simply like not only just the like we talk about how much rep- representation matters, but like it's not just the the picture of it. It's like oh wait, like I can be this person and walk with Jesus, like. My, my blackness does not keep me from knowing Jesus. Instead, it, it amplifies, like, um, the fact of, like, I'm made in his image. You know, it reminds other people that, like, God is so complex. Um, and so, yeah, that was amazing to hear that of, like, yo, like, this is, this is why I do what I do. Like, I'm going to purposely have my fro out. I'm going to purposely have my big hoops or whatever. I'm purposely be what, what, who I am um, because I know other girls will be able to understand it and, and feel like, okay, I can do that too, even if we never get to have a conversation. What would you say um, to someone who's listening to this conversation and and they see in their life uh, that they're grasping for worth and all these mm-hmm. different things and it's you know it's failing them mm-hmm. uh, and they want what you have? Yeah, I'm. It's it's easy for me like go to Jesus and it's not in the sense of like okay I need to do an altar call or I need to go to church every Sunday like yeah those things are cool and those things are great but like looking at His Word like Psalms one thirty nine you can Google it so you don't have to like try to find it yourself but like really being able to see okay what does this God say about me like because again if He is the one that created everything and cares and His opinion is above everyone else's then it does then that like shifts everything. And then with that, um, making that a part of like your daily thing of like memorizing, okay, the verses that really stick out to you. Um, there's, I think it's Ephesians 2.10 where it says, um, for we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good things he planned long ago. Like, and some, and some versions say workmanship. I just love the masterpiece one because a masterpiece, you don't hide that behind things. You don't trash that. Like it's priceless and everyone sees it and everyone knows it. And so they were saying, like, the word God's masterpiece, like, that's helped me a ton, but I had to memorize that. And so I know affirmations are huge right now, and I love a good affirmation, but there's just this reality that, like, me saying I am enough, that's great, but, like, where's the foundation of that? 
And I found that in Jesus of like, okay, I'm enough because of what he did on the cross. Like he's, I'm worthy enough to die for. Oh, I'm enough. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, and so like going back, to going to um, those, looking at those passages, you can literally just Google like, uh, what does God say is true about me? You know? And it's all these dope things that come up and it's like, what? Like mm-hmm. this is true about me. And so, um, so yeah, whether you, whether you know Jesus or if you're looking into him at all, like really look into that and make that like a, a daily part of your life. Um, so yeah. That's good. I love that you brought up Ephesians 2 and and you you brought up the first part where it says that we are God's masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I love what follows that, mm-hmm. created for a purpose, mm-hmm. right? We were created to do the things that he set out for us to do. And, oh, yes. and I think a big piece of that and something that you live out in your life is uh, we were created to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. When we are stuck like, just navel gazing and and thinking about ourselves and whether or not we're worthy or whether or not we're we're good enough or can accomplish it, we are actually missing out on what we're created to do, and that's be a part of what God is doing in this world. And mm-hmm. and and you're living that out. And I think with Tim Keller, who I'm sure you're you know familiar mm-hmm. with Tim Keller, uh, he says the the goal is not uh, the goal of of our lives is not. When, when we're supposed to be, you know, humble, it's not self-pity, but mm. self-forgetfulness. Mm. When we think about ourselves less, yeah. we actually find our worth um, mm. because we are freed up to be a part of something that's so much bigger and better and greater than ourselves. Yeah. Well, Natasha, thank you so much for taking the time to be uh, on the podcast. And, um, and I'm super grateful for you and your story. And I know it's, it's inspiring to me. I'm sure it'll be inspiring uh, to so many. So thanks. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thanks again for listening to the Garden Project podcast. We tell these stories because we want you to imagine uh, how your story fits in to what God is doing in this world and how you can use your own talents and passion and profession uh, to bring about goodness and wholeness and uh, restoration and, and abundance in this world. Another reason we tell these stories is we want to invite you to participate in the stories of others, people here in Knoxville that are taking part in what God is doing around them. And one way you can do that is through what we're calling the Garden Project Fund. This will be a fund that is open for the two weeks following every podcast, and there will be an opportunity to give uh, to a cause or to the person that was interviewed um, to just contribute to the work that they're doing. So you can go to hopenoxville.org backslash give and select uh, the Garden Project Fund, and you can give to the work that Natasha is doing on the UT campus. All these gifts are uh, tax deductible, um, so feel free to do that for the next two weeks. Any gift that we receive through the Garden Project Fund will go directly to Natasha and the work that she is doing on the University of Tennessee with the college athletes. Thanks for your generosity and thanks for listening. The Garden Project Podcast is an initiative of Hope Knoxville. Hope is a family of organic, Jesus-centered communities based in Knoxville, Tennessee. For more information, visit hopeknoxville.org. Theme music for this podcast is written and produced 
by Brooks Coker and Freshly Squeezed Studios. The Garden Project podcast is hosted and produced by me, Charlie Deaver. Thanks for listening.